Well, guys, um, I am excited because uh, my friend Ken Hester is here uh, to speak to us today. And I'm really, really excited to hear what God has placed on his heart. Um, Ken, uh, it, I shared this with our, our volunteer team this morning, but it's funny how God kind of does his thing sometimes, you know, where it's like, uh, <laughs> it's interesting how he pieces things together sometimes. So uh, while Tara and I lived in Charlotte for a couple of years, uh, we lived really close to Ken, and we never had the opportunity to meet. And um, ironically enough, uh, he did some consulting work for a church in the area, and uh, our mutual friend, Joel, who was here just a couple months ago, uh, connected us, and ever since then, we've had this brotherhood that, um, man, it's it's been just a pleasure. It's been a pleasure. I just want to share with you guys, Ken has the heart for the church, and that the church uh, does well at what we're called to do. He is living his life on mission for for the church, the big church, all of us, Right? He's, he's not isolated to just his, his world, his, his city, but he is constantly looking for ways to further the mission, to be more effective in what God has called us all to do, and that is his heart. So you're going to hear from a man of God today that his heart is that we are able to do all that God has called us to do, to do that well, so that, that we can be effective in reaching and helping our community. And so that's the type of man that you're going to be hearing from today. Ken, brother, I love you, man. Come on up. Let's welcome him, church family. Hey. Well, good morning. Sometimes I feel like we should just keep doing worship, you know, like bring the team back up and uh, see if we can open this. I always open it backwards. Does anybody do that? I always open it backwards. I can't ever figure it out. Um, but as Devin had, had mentioned, God, God has his own timing. When, when we make plans and we do things, we plan for all the things, God's like, yeah, yeah, I know you had your plans, but what, what about my plan? Did you check with me before you made those plans? And uh, as Devin mentioned, uh, over three years ago, now is when I was you know, doing some doing some coaching and consulting in the area, and Joel and I are friends for uh, ten plus years now. And he's like, "Dude, you got to hang out with my boy Devin." I'm like, "Yeah, sure, no problem. Send me his number. I'll text him. Let's do that. Make it happen." And what I didn't realize is St. Louis is enormous. Okay. So it's like you claim St. Louis, but then like 40 minutes in the uh, 45 minutes in the other direction is still St. Louis, and then you go in another direction and it's still St. Louis, and it's like this giant footprint. And so I was actually in Sunset Hills when Joel gave me, and I was like, "Yeah, Devin, let's meet up, let's hang out, let's do whatever." And uh, he's like, "All right," and sent me his his uh, address, and I'm like, "Oh." All right, well, I uh, will see you in about an hour, and we'll be good to go. And that's if you catch the traffic right. So, um, but through that, just having conversations with Dustin and Steve and Devin about all that God is doing here um, from humble beginnings to even now. And what I want to encourage you with is that you're still in the beginning. You're just getting started in your own life in your own journey, in your own faith, and then through the church as well. And I've seen through all the things that have happened, you know, uh, COVID and, and everything else, God remains the same. The Holy Spirit is still at work in you and through this church. And, and what I love is, again, God's timing. So three years ago, uh, in January, so January of 2020, Devin and Dustin and I were on the phone call, and we're like, they're like, dude, you got to come out. We, we, we bought the tickets. Like, we were here. We were ready to go. 
ready to make things happen, and then March happened. So March of 2020, if you don't remember, we all like to block that kind of piece out of our lives, but that happened, so everything was on pause. And it's been three years in the making, but I know that God does things in threes. He likes to do things in three-year periods where even Christ himself started his ministry at 30 and did all that God had called him to do by 33. And so uh, over the last three years, God is continuing to build in you, to strengthen you, to help build character in you, to persevere through the things that are going on in your life, in your job, in your family, in this church, in this city, to persevere through so that you could be the hope and the light of the world. And I want to encourage you with this. Romans 5, 3 through 5 says, Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. That one's a little tougher. Right? Because we know that our sufferings produce perseverance. Perseverance, character. And character, hope. Hope does not put us to shame, but God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. As you continue to persevere, as you continue to celebrate, as you continue to go through sufferings, things that you may not understand, you may not see, you may not have a full understanding of why you're going through them now, God still sees the big picture. So while you may hold a very small piece of your puzzle, God has the box. And he sees the whole picture. And he knows that you're putting it together in his timing. And so I want to encourage you with that. I want to let you know we've talked about family, and I feel like I'm part of the family. I've met many of you, many of your volunteers, incredible people that make things happen, make church happen on Sunday. Uh, can we just thank our production team for a second for all that they do? I was talking to, I was talking to the guys, uh, to several of them earlier, and it's like our job is for people not to look at us, right? So we do it right if nobody turns around. So actually, here's what I want you to do. I want you to all turn around and clap. Seriously, all turn around, clap, thank them for what they do every single week. You guys are incredible. Thank you. And, uh, and being family, I wanted to share with you a family pic. So you've got to have a picture of my family. You've got to know what's going on. So here's my crew right there. That's my wife, Ashley. We've been married 15 years. And that's my son, Isaac. He is five and a half. And Madeline, it just turned three last month. So that is our fall family photo as, uh, as for all things social media, right? So they don't actually end up being printed. They don't actually hang up in the house anywhere. It's just for all of you to know on social media. So, uh, but yet we do them every year. Like, all right, make sure the updates are for social media. So there you go. But this is another example of God's, blessing in his timing. And as I mentioned, we've been married 15 years, and uh, our son is five years old. And to know his journey is to know our journey. And that through eight years of trials and tribulations and hoping and praying and being angry and, and questioning God's promises, God's promises came through. And so whatever you're, whatever you're going through, whatever you may be suffering in and now, hold on to God's promises. Hold on to his faithfulness. Hold on to knowing that his timing is the perfect timing. So after two years of marriage and eight years of trying, this guy showed up uh, a month before or three weeks before our 10th anniversary. And then we're just grateful for that blessing, grateful for him in our lives. And Madeline is on her own timing. Apparently, she is directly synced with Jesus because we weren't even trying for her. And she's like, God's faithfulness, again, in his promises and delivering those, as he goes, you were playing, praying for one blessing, but I was going to give you two. There's a double blessing in your life that God has for you if you trust him. If you believe in him and you persevere through your sufferings. Oftentimes we see this with God. We see this timing come back and forth. And, and in Christmas time, we see that as well, right? 
We love Christmas. We love that it's all, you know, all things pointed to Jesus, all things family, all things fun, all things Christmas carols. And then there's the stress of Christmas, the actual stress that we live in of having to go to Target and having to wait in line for 17 hours um, and still self-checkout, right? Like, what are you guys doing? There's 18 lanes open. No one's working in them, and you want me to check out. I don't understand. But there is this tension that we face in, in life, in timing, in stress, and in, in the good times, and the bad times, and things that we understand and things that we don't understand, and things that we say, but we mean something different, or somebody else says something and we interpret it to be something different. And how do we really understand and take control of all of that in our life as it's swirling around? So the title of my message today, I want you to turn to your neighbor, and I want you to tell them with all that you have in you, okay? I want you to feel it. I want you to mean it, all right? Are you, you, ready? you ready for this? All right. I'm giving you permission to tell this to your significant other, okay? Merry Christmas, you filthy animal. Okay. Now, if you don't know Home Alone, I'm sorry. You know, like your your life is is missing something around Christmas. But this is a this is a a scene from Home Alone. There's a a gangster that says this, uh, and it's always so funny to me because you pair Merry Christmas and all the things that are connected to Merry Christmas and the joy and all that to you filthy animal, which is like wait. Wait, did he mean to say that? I'm not really. What's going on right now? But this is how our life is. This is how stress is. This is how tension is. This is you get the good and the bad. And the bad often seems like it outweighs the good. But ultimately, what we've got to do is we've got to reconnect and make sure that we've got the right balance in our lives. So we know that the good of this season far outweighs the poor stress, craziness. I don't have the finances for this. I don't have the patience for my family. I don't have, again, for the second time in four weeks, what is happening right now, right? On a deeper spiritual level, we struggle with praising God on Sunday and then facing the rest of our life on Monday with trusting him for his timing. In the same way, we see over and over and over in Scripture, this happens. I think sometimes we get caught up in the Instagram or the Facebook or the coffee mug Bible, and we rarely open up and really see the context of the Scripture in which it was mentioned. So let me give you one. We use David, we use Psalms a lot like this. You see all the bumper stickers or all the... Instagram posts or all the coffee mugs that start off with Psalm 27, 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is my stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? That's like, yes, conquer the world, do it, you got it. Let's go kind of like Marvel Cinematic Universe superhero moment, right? Like, yes, do it all. And then we fail to keep in context the rest of chapter 27. So if you just slide down eight verses to verse nine, do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, God my Savior. Wait, what? What just happened? What just happened to, well, I can conquer the world and you're with me. Now it's like, where are you, God? What happened? And I think this is a reflection of the same. Do you feel in your own life the tension that David is expressing? Of God, I know that you're with me. I know that I can conquer it all, but I'm actually facing this. And if you could just take care of this, then I know that I could actually that I could conquer it all. But God wants you to build your faith and be reminded that you can conquer it all, even that. 
It's not that you have to conquer this and you have to figure this out and you have to get things right and you have to make sure that you're this perfect Christian living these all smiles all the time. You don't have to be that in order for God to be great. God is great even in that. So even in your anxiety, even in your depression, even in your questioning, even in your failed promises that you feel like you're living in right now, God is still God. And David is is feeling this tension. We skip forward to Mark. And these are just two examples of of probably hundreds. I was going to say dozens, but that's probably not right. It's probably hundreds in Scripture. Of God, I believe you, but help my unbelief. And we see that almost word for word in in Mark chapter 9. We're actually going to look at Verse 21, the setup is this. This father has come and brought his son who has a a possession in him. A demon has taken his life. And he goes into convulsions and he's uncontrollable. And he's come to the disciples and he said, can you heal my son? And Jesus is kind of like doing some other healings. He's kind of doing some other stuff over there. And he overhears this, and he looks, he kind of looks over, and in verse 20, 21, he asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. I love Jesus' response in 23. If you can. Don't you know who you're talking to? I, I like love the Chosen series right now because it's giving me a different perspective of Christ and, uh, and his mannerisms and, and things like that. And I feel like that's, the, that's a moment where he's just like, really? Did you not see, like, why did you bring your son here in the first place if you didn't think that I could? So you absolutely know that I can. So he says, everything is possible for one who believes. And this is the Father's response, and I think this is your response as well. Maybe not today, but in different times of your life. Maybe in an upcoming time, maybe it is today. The boy's father exclaimed, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. This is what happens in our life. God, help me just to overcome my unbelief. I believe that you sent your son. We're celebrating Christmas. We're celebrating all the things that that you came to free us from through your birth, through your death, through your resurrection. That begins at Christmas time. That recognition begins at Christmas time. And I believe, but God, I got this thing. And I really just need you to help me with my unbelief. Because if I was really honest with myself, I'm not sure if you can fix this. Because I've prayed and I've begged and I've cried and I've been angry and I've questioned and I've wondered. Would you just help my unbelief? This tension that we face, the miracle that we are hoping for, hasn't happened. Just like this father. Maybe your kids aren't listening quite how you hoped they would. I showed you the five and three-year-old, right? Maybe your finances aren't in the place that you thought that they would be with the craziness of the stock market you thought retirement was a little bit closer than it's now going to be maybe your marriage isn't thriving the way that you believe that it would and you haven't really shared this with anybody you may have not even shared it with your spouse but it's that unbelief that tiny unbelief that you're just begging God to move Your job isn't fulfilling your purpose 
You're questioning if you should still be there or not. But you spent so much time building your career to this point, you can't start over. The people that you thought were the friends in your life, a season has changed or circumstances are different and they're not your friends anymore. School was always easy until this semester. (laughs) Until you started middle school. Until you started high school. Until you started college. Until you took that class. God, where are you now? This Christmas, I think we have the opportunity to reset, to refocus, to be reminded and gain the perspective that Christ has for us. How do we be successful in every season? Not just in this one. Because that's what we're trying to figure out. At the heart of it, while you come to church, yes, you need community. Yes, you need to worship. Yes, you need to learn about Christ. But at the very, very true, like raw heart of it, you go, Jesus, I need you to step into this. And we're hoping and we're praying and we're wishing and we're believing that he would. So you ready for the answer? Are you ready? You're not ready. I don't think you're ready. I don't think you're ready. Dustin, what are you doing over here? You're not ready. You know why you're not ready? Because it's going to take work. Like real work. Real discipline. Real pushing through. Real like not giving up. Like the five pounds that we're all going to gain in the next like three weeks. And then in January we're going to try to lose. And then in February, we're going to give up on losing that five pounds. Like more perseverance than that, okay? More discipline than that. And this is where, this is the beauty of it, right? So I'm going to, I'm going to like really lean in here, okay? I'm a guest speaker. You can tell me anything and I won't know, okay? I won't know. I won't know. I won't know if you like truly commit to this or not. So we're going to do this all together. I'm going to say, are you ready? And you're going to say yes. Okay. Just because I don't know when I'll see you again. So it's not okay to lie in church, but just appease me. How about that? All right. Are you guys ready? Okay, good. Here we go. All right. Slow down and give God space. Whoa, crazy. Like, wait, I thought you were going to tell me, like, read my Bible every day for, you know, an hour and then pray for another hour and then praise Jesus and worship for another hour. Like, slow down and give God space. This is not a new concept. This is not something that is like, oh, I never heard that before. This is the same principle that Christ laid down and showed his disciples. It's the same principle from the very beginning of time. Where God, Christ, and the Holy Spirit formed the earth and then stopped. So Jesus himself says in Mark 1.35, very early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Space. Give God time and space. And you will understand, you will be able to to gain a perspective that you don't have right now on whatever that situation is in your life. And you go, I don't know. Things are going pretty good for me right now. Wait for it. It's coming. Look back on your life and go, remember remember that it probably wasn't too far long ago that you had something that you went through. Because life is like this. 
ups and downs and ins and outs. And, and you might be at, at a high right now, but life is coming. And if you don't regularly give God time and space, you're going to be frustrated. You're going to be asking more questions and getting less answers. And the crazy thing is, is that you started this way this year, right? You, just like you started going to the gym, you know, you started with a ruthless elimination of hurry, right? Dustin did an incredible series on it. And you're like, oh, yeah, I remember. Oh, that's right. I was going to do that. <laughs> December is here, and... You still haven't lost that five pounds. You're going to add five more to it. Now you got to lose 10 pounds. But I tell you, give God space. We're going to get really practical with this, okay? Because as we look back at chapter 9 of Mark again, we're going to look at the last verse in 929. Jesus replied, this kind can only come out by prayer. What is it that you're asking God to answer? What is it truly that you're asking God to answer? Is it a state of unrest? Is it anxiety? Is it depression? Is it your finances? Is it your marriage? Is it your kids? Is it your parents? <laughs> is it your community? Is it physical? Is it mental? What is it that you're asking God? And you go, I haven't actually prayed about that. I've complained about it a lot. And God's supposed to hear everything, so he just knows that that's a prayer, right? Right? No, you haven't gone to him. You haven't gotten on your knees. You haven't prayed. There's, a, there's some scripture that there's a kind of theological debate. Devin and I were talking about it. That uh, some scripture will leave out this. And because uh, the manuscripts are different and. So if they don't have the quite the same the right number of manuscripts, then they leave it out. But it doesn't mean it wasn't there. They just go, well, there's 150 manuscripts that it was in, and there's 450 manuscripts that it wasn't in. So better play it safe and just make sure. But there is some manuscripts that end the scripture like this. This kind can come out only by prayer and fasting. So if I asked you to raise your hands, which I'm not, but if I asked you to raise your hands and I asked you when, if any of you fasted this last year, and I'm not talking about intermittent fasting, you know, to try to get that six-pack or whatever, but I mean like truly fasting, like self-emptying before Christ and taking away, stripping away everything that comes between you and truly being in the presence of God. I'd venture to say that less than 10% of the room would raise your hands. And the thing that you've been praying for, the thing that you've been struggling with, the thing that you've been asking God to help you persevere in, you haven't done the two most important things that will help you get through it, which is pray and fast. And so in the hectic busyness of our time, what does that look like? You go, I'm not really good. I mean, we talked about the five pounds, right? We know, you know Christmas is coming up, right? Yeah, and so does God. And you say, what are the things that you just need to strip out to spend more time in? So the people of Israel at this time, they connected with fasting the most because everything was feast-related. There was a feast for everything. You think it's like Thanksgiving and Christmas. No, there's like all the time they were celebrating, all the time they were getting together. 
And the way that they've, they've set aside time for God was to fast. So what is it in your life that you need to set aside time with God for? You need to turn your radio off in the car for your drive to work and your drive back home. You need to cut out whatever media streaming service you're watching four hours a night in. Or maybe just cut it off at 8 o'clock, right? But what are you stripping away and what are you filling that time with God in? And you go, I don't know what to say. I don't know where to start. I'm not really good at prayer. I'm not. Silence is the best. Because we live in such a crazy world, there is no silence. (laughs) Everywhere you go, there is noise. And if you have kids, everywhere they go, noise follows you. Okay? So I want to encourage you. I want to try to find some silence and let God speak to you. Prayer oftentimes is less about what you say and more about what God is trying to say to you. But if we're not silent enough in understanding what that looks like, then we're not really going to go anywhere. So where do we start? Where do you start? I'm going to give you some practical things, all right? I want to be a practical preacher, not just like this, like, all right, well, cool. I don't really know what to do with that. Advent. We are currently, this is the third week of Advent. For those of you that are familiar with Advent or celebrate that, it's the expectation and celebration of the coming king. And it start, starts four weeks prior to Christmas Day. It's the third week of that. You may have got a handout on your way in, and we're really going to look at these characteristics that we find in not just the coming Christ, but the second coming of Christ, right? So we know he already came. So why would we celebrate Advent? Because we know he's coming again. So it's a reminder for us to continue to celebrate who Christ is in our life and to continue to set aside time for him. Advent observers engage in prayer, in meditation, in scripture study, all around hope, peace, love, and joy. Those are the four categories. How many of you, I will ask you to raise your hands, how many of you need more hope, peace, love, and joy? If you're not raising your hand, you can leave, okay? Because apparently you need to write a book and start a podcast on all the things, or I'll just give you the mic and you can finish it out. We all need more hope, love, peace, and joy. And so instead of just focusing on an advent in four weeks, how do we carry that through for all of 2023 to really set yourself up for success? Well, here's how we're going to do it. Hope. We're going to start. Hope is the first thing. So take a note. Pull out your phone. Take a note on your reminder. Write it down on something. Write it down on your friend's forearm. Whatever you need to do um, to help remind you of hope. And I'm going to do this. I'm going to give you uh, 45 seconds of silence. Okay? No music. Don't worry. I'm not calling, not calling an audible here. Okay? Dustin, you don't have to come back up. Um, But I want you to be honest with God on how you're doing, really, right? Because we can all talk in the hallway, and we can all see each other at work and at the park and all the stuff at school, dropping the kids off. How are you doing? Good. How are you doing? Good. Good. Fine. Busy. Normal answers. But God wants to know how you're doing. How are you really doing? So take 30 seconds, close your eyes, or write it down, or take a note in your, in your favorite smart device on the hope that you need to experience that only comes from God. And you'll experience that hope when you're really raw with him.
never knew 30 seconds could be so short and so long at the same time. The silence, the perspective, the reset that you get. Use that as an example. If you want to extend that time, feel free. (laughs) But sometimes just 30 seconds of being raw with God and letting him know what you're going through will bring you a calmness, will give you an understanding. And if you did that consistently, try 30 seconds every day. It'll change your perspective. Love. Love. So here I'm going to ask you, have you shown love to anyone lately that is not in your family? I mean like true, sacrificial, Christ-like love. Because that's what God did for us. He showed us love by sending us Jesus. That was a sacrifice. He didn't have to do that. So have you shown the love that God's shown us to anyone else outside of your family? Just going to ask you that question. I'm just going to leave it right there, right? And I want you to write down somebody. You probably thought of somebody that you could show love to or that you need to show love to, that it's hard to show love to that person. I want you to write down their name. And I want you to think about this week, this week, how you can show them love. Might be a text message, might be a card. That's right, the mail system still works. It might be just a phone call. It might be a gift. It might be emptying the dishwasher. Come on, wives, I figured you'd like love me for that one. How are you going to show love to somebody this week? Joy. Joy is the next one. Praising God gives you more joy than you can experience from any gift. What we felt this morning brings more joy to my week than anything else. Because there's no other time that collectively I can get with a hundred other people, and praise God. So, make sure that you're connected to your joy and you identify what that joy is. So, an easy way to do that is write down your blessings. Because we get so caught up in what God hasn't done yet that we forget all that he has done. And so I'm going to give you another 30 seconds Write it down. Write as many blessings. Write as many things that bring you joy as possible because that's a form of praise. Praising God for all that he has done. Go. Here we go. Think about it. Share with your neighbor if you need to. Again, the 30 seconds, right? You're like, that was not enough? Or wow, that really changed my perspective. How can you just be thankful for all that God has given you on a regular basis? The joy that he brings you that only comes from him. It's not circumstantial. It's truly found in his presence. So, so we've been real practical. We've got two more things I want to share with you before we get out of here. Peace. And uh, I think, yep, Devin's going to help me out. I did this just for Devin because I know he's a whiteboard guy. And uh, actually, I'd already gone to bed last night, and I texted him. I said, hey, could I use a whiteboard? He's like, absolutely. Sure can, because that's his love language, whiteboard. <laughs> um, peace. Peace is 
something that I think we all would say we need more of, and yet we haven't identified what actually brings us peace. And so in the spirit of Christmas, I use my red and green markers. What I try to do is, and this is a very practical one for you, so this, uh, this is, this is going to, um, I'm going to hit it real quick overview, but uh, there could be more categories than this, but I'm going to go with five categories of peace. And if you look at your place, your current job, your current house, your current like living situation, do you have peace in your place? Do you need new carpet? Do you need new paint? Do you need new, you know, do you have peace in your place? Because if you don't have peace in your place, then that contributes to your overall peace. Physically, physical health. I'm up at mental health here too, but I wanted it all to start with peas, so I had to do with physical, right? Um, physical, mental health. Where are you? Do you feel good? Do you feel terrible? Where is it that you feel that you need to focus more on in experiencing peace in that area of your life? Provision. Your finances, are they up and down and in and out? A lot of times people will start with this, right? They go, all right. Well, I don't have peace there, so I'm not going to have peace anywhere else. But it's really only part of it. Okay? Purpose. Are you walking in the purpose that God has for you? For your family? Maybe you're actually at the right job, but you need a new perspective because God has sent you there on purpose. It's not about the mundane task that you have, but it's actually about who you can take the gospel to. Just a thought, okay? People, it's the last one. Who are the people in your life? Who are are you surrounding yourselves with? Are they encouragers or discouragers? And here's what you're gonna do with this. Again, you can add as many of these as you want. These are just five that I've recognized that, help you, you know, kind of put a framework on them. What you want you to do with this is basically give yourself a zero to 100 score on each of these categories. So if you go, okay, my house is great, my job is pretty good, I'd probably be at like an 85% here. Physically, probably need to work on that a little bit, so I'm going to give myself a 70% right here. People in my life, yeah, they're mostly good. You know, I spend some time at church. I got a life group. Probably go with 80%. Always get better with people that are, are affecting my, my, my brain space. Purpose. Oh, man. I'm at Bridge Church. I'm preaching this weekend. I'm freaking amazing. This is awesome. 100. Right? Uh, provision. Well, I'm not retired yet, so that's probably not where it needs to be. And uh, if I look at my retirement package and where I'm at right now, it's probably not great either. So I'm probably around a 70, got a little work there to do. Okay? If you only focus on one of these things, you'll feel either really great about life or really not so great about life. But I want you to average these all together. Somebody got a calculator on their phone real quick to give me this average or somebody, an accountant in the room that can give me this? Average real quick. Anybody? Anybody? One. Somebody, I see several phones out, figuring it out. 85. What is it? 80. I got an 80 overall rating right here. But if I don't, if now I feel actually a little bit better about life, I'm like, oh, man, I got an 80. This is awesome. But I know where I need to focus. I know I need to focus in on my provision. I need to focus in on my physical, mental health. I need to focus in on people that are in my life. 
focus in on my place. What is it? How does this look for you? How does this look for you? Because you're asking God for peace, and he's like, in what area? Where exactly would you like that peace? Because I'm full of it, and I can help you. But you haven't defined, and you haven't spent time with me, and you haven't slowed down enough to actually evaluate your own set of peace. So you're asking me for this arbitrary peace, and just like Jesus told the man, he's like, so what's his problem? What's going on with the boy? I want you to heal my son. And he's like, well, what are his symptoms? He's asking you, what are your symptoms? What do you really need peace in? And I can help you with that. Last thing is this. Jesus. Jesus, we sang about it earlier. Jesus. The only thing, the only way that you can find hope, love, peace, and joy is through Jesus Christ. It's the only way. You can find hope in some things. You can find joy in other things. You can find love in some places. You can find peace in different areas. But to encompass all of them is Jesus and Jesus alone. It's why he came. It's why he sacrificed himself. It's why he rose again. So that you could experience a relationship with him and have hope, joy, love, and peace all wrapped up into one present. But you know what you need to do? Slow down and give him space. So right before we're done, in this moment, I want you to close your eyes and bow your heads. And for anyone that doesn't know Christ as their Lord and Savior, I want to give you that opportunity today. And we're going to have uh, another little moment of reflection after this prayer, but I don't want to get past Jesus just to go on to something else. So if you're here in the room and and you need Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, you say, I, I I've been chasing hope, love, joy, and peace. I've been asking for it. I've been thinking I could find it even from just coming to church. But I don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I just invite you to pray this prayer with me. And you can pray it in your heart. You can pray it out loud. And it's not even the words that are so important as the heart, the posture that you have. God hears you and knows you want a relationship with him. It's just you putting words and, and, and speaking it. So you can say, Jesus, thank you for coming to this earth, for giving me an opportunity to know you for dying on the cross and carrying my sin, for rising from the grave and conquering death so I could have a relationship and eternal life with you. I need the hope, joy, love, and peace that only comes from you. I will follow you from this day forward. And again, with heads bowed and eyes closed, if you prayed that prayer or you invited Christ into your life in your own words today, I want to I wanna truly want to pray for you. And I want to um, help you in any way that I can in growing in your relationship with Christ. And so if you made the decision to follow Christ today, uh, if you just look up at me, then I would love to just acknowledge that you made that decision this morning.
It's incredible. Father God, we love you. You are the Alpha and Omega. And you showed us love, a greater love that anyone could ever experience by sending your son to die for us. Just so we could have a relationship with you again. And so I give you glory for all that you've done, all that you're doing, and all that you're going to do. We celebrate you today, Jesus. We celebrate the new life, the new relationships that have begun in this room. And we celebrate the renewed relationships that people will take these steps in truly setting a time, setting a time and a space for you in their lives. We pray this in your name. Amen. So I want to close with this. Um, we're going to close with a, 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 an Advent hymn for you. Um, it's O Come Emmanuel. And uh, Dustin and Crystal will help me out because I can't sing. You don't want me to do that. But um, just as we close the service today, I want you to, to remember that the Old Testament Israelites experience a lot of the same things that you do. They experienced exile or feeling exiled. You may not actually be exiled, but you feel that isolation. They experienced 400 years from the end of the Old Testament to the beginning of the New Testament of silence from God. Where he had made all these promises and then kind of didn't answer. But what an answer when it was his timing with Jesus himself. So you may feel exiled. You may feel like you're in a place that God doesn't see you. God doesn't hear you. God's promises aren't what they were or you hoped them to be, but it's still on time. It's still on time. It's still on his time. And so we're gonna sing, O Come Emmanuel. And the words are this, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appears. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. I want you to put your, your life in the place of Israel where you feel exiled, you felt captive. You felt that God has not appeared yet. The anticipation, the expectation of what God is gonna do in your life, whether you're 12, whether you're 112, God wants to do something new in you today. And it starts with rejoicing in who he is.